Well, Cornwall Church, allow me to wish you a preemptive Happy New Year. We are less than seven hours until 2023. Okay. It can only get better from here. All right. Uh, you know, I, I just want to wish you a happy new year to our online campus, to our Skagit campus. You know, in these final hours of 2022, maybe it has been a really good year for you. And so part of you is kind of sad that the year is coming to an end. Or maybe you've had a tough 2022. And so you are welcoming 2023 with open arms. You know, a new year brings an opportunity for new goals, a clean slate, uh, new opportunities. And for me, 2023 is going to bring some new eyewear. I've been told, I've heard it said that when you turn 40, something changes with your eyes. Now, my family would tell you that I have fought against this reality but for the last six months, I've had a pair of glasses, which I affectionately call my driving glasses because I only use them to drive at night. And then they became my drive during the day glasses. And then at my appointment a couple of weeks back, my uh, eye doctor said, Brian, they just need to be your everyday life glasses. So I have got my glasses. I'm going to debut them here with you tonight. I know, I, I told you it only gets better, right? Okay, pastor with glasses. All right, here we go. Thank you, yes. I wanna know, do I look smarter? <laughs> I don't, I think that's hurtful in some way. Uh, do I look taller? That's really what I wanna know. I can see you now, that's kind of fun. I should call people out by name. Anyway, hi. Okay, anyway, I'm not going to wear them right now. Um, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. I, I wasn't totally aware of the importance of my eyesight until things in life started getting a bit blurry. You know, the, the great landscapes around us here in the Northwest, the ability to, to wake up and see things around us. I think sometimes we take that for granted. And today we're going to look at a passing moment in Jesus's ministry centered around someone who had an understanding of the value of vision, but the application is far beyond the ability to see. This momentary interaction is with Jesus and a beggar, and it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but only Mark gives us his name, Bartimaeus. Now, sidebar. Oftentimes when I hear someone share this story, whether it be a speaker or a pastor, they often will say, we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. And it kind of bugs me. Here, here's why. If you were to call me short Brian or Kip, Kip, you know, military Kip or ponytail Bob or in Skagit, you know, singer Tia, like those associations are true. But we are not defined by those attributes. Jesus just calls me Brian. And so we're going to do the same for Bartimaeus today. Now, as we dive into Mark's account, we find Jesus mid to late ministry. He has been teaching his disciples through verbal instruction, but now has kind of turned the corner. And he's moving into more tangible questions and answers, a lot of do as I do. And on this particular day, Jesus and his disciples were on their way from Jericho to Jerusalem, and they weren't alone. Mark begins here. Jesus and his disciples went to Jericho, and as they were leaving, they were followed by a large crowd. 
Now, first, the trek from Jericho of where they were to Jerusalem of where they were going was not a particularly long journey. For geographic comparison, it'd be like they were out at Mount, uh, Mount Baker and they were making their way to Bellingham or for a Skagit campus. They were in concrete making their way to Mount Vernon. They would, however, be dealing with some serious terrain and elevation and climate and lots and lots of people. Lots of people were with them. No longer was it just Jesus and the 12. It was now a large crowd accompanying them. And it is likely that many of them were not from Jericho proper, that they had heard about Jesus and they wanted to be with Jesus. And part of the excitement of moving in a caravan with him to Jerusalem. Think back to 2014 when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. That year, it's New Year's Eve, what's going on? Okay, 2014, this was a great game. The Seattle Seahawks defeating the Denver Broncos 43-8. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second, yeah. <sighs> okay, that's not the point. The point is this. The point is, check out this picture. This was the Seattle Seahawks victory parade. And as you can see, thousands upon thousands of fans traveled from all across the state to be in downtown Seattle for this parade. Why? Because the Seahawks are their team. They watched them all season. They saw them in the Super Bowl. Their favorite player was going to be there. And they, the fans, wanted to be there and part of the excitement. This is true for this example as well, this scenario. Jesus had quarterback-like status, and people traveled all over to be part of this crowd, wanting to be with Jesus. But Jericho was not intended to be a pit stop. It had already been a long day of teaching, and the goal was just to travel through and continue on. So as Jesus and the disciples and the crowd start making their way, leaving Jericho, enter Bartimaeus. Mark continues, verse 46. A blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Now, beggars at the city gates would have been very, very common and usually not given any attention whatsoever. But Bartimaeus, we're going to find, is very determined. Mark continues. He says, when he... Bartimaeus, hears that it was Jesus from Nazareth, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Now imagine this moment. Unable to see, but likely with some heightened hearing, he hears a crowd in the distance. And perhaps he starts thinking, maybe someone among that crowd will be a compassionate donor. Before he calls it a day, someone will give him enough money to buy something to eat that day. And then for him to find out among that crowd, it's Jesus. Jesus is part of this crowd. Perhaps you've been there in similar circumstances. You've, you've been down. You've been burdened. You've been helpless. Hope seems lost. And then Jesus shows up. And your heart leaps with hope. That was the reality for Bartimaeus. He had very likely heard of Jesus and what Jesus had been doing and the miracles and likely about making the blind to see. So this opportunity to meet Jesus on this day 
was a fulfillment of a long-anticipated and hoped-for moment. Jesus, the Jesus, was about to pass him by. But as quickly as that excitement was, it was quickly shattered. Why? As Bartimaeus shouted, Mark continues, many people told the man to stop. Many people told the man to stop. Some versions will say many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Bartimaeus was shut down. It was like a biblical shushing. And and shushing is brutal. I mean, check out this definition. The definition of shush is to indicate that what is being said is unimportant, not of value, and or not worthy of listening to at the moment. Whoa. And Bartimaeus had just been shushed shut down. And it's less that he was shushed. Remember, you know, the the roadside beggars, again, weren't thought of as much. It's really the who that shushed him that is worth noting. It, It wasn't Jesus, and it wasn't the disciples. It was the Christ followers in the crowd. The very people wanting to be with and like Jesus We're telling someone else to stand down, to be quiet. Now, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps they were thinking, Jesus has had a really long day. We still have got some way to travel. He doesn't have time for this right now. But probably not. Because sometimes even we Christians allow dust to cloud our vision inadvertently shutting others down around us, even when we think we're doing it for the right reason. Now, this has become a more public practice today. In fact, I experienced a public shushing not long ago. I think the last time I was on this stage, I told you I had the opportunity to see Hamilton in Seattle in September. And I'll never forget this. As the lights dimmed in the theater and the opening song began, one section over and two rows back in the darkness, you hear a solo voice singing the opening song. Now, just so we're clear, this is a Broadway musical, not a sing-along. But there she is, two rows back, singing the opening song. And when it, be- when it became evident she was not going to stop, it started with one and then two, and then I kid you not, probably two dozen people are shushing her. What are you doing? Quiet. So what did she do? She sang louder. (laughs) She sang louder. And Bartimaeus, when he was shushed, what did he do? He got louder too. Check this out. But he shouted even louder, son of David, have pity on me. Bartimaeus was determined not to miss his shot. And then it happened. More than just passing by, Mark records this. Jesus stopped and said, call him over. Jesus stopped and called him over. Those simple words changed everything. After a day of teaching and walking and ministering and peopling and sitting and standing and teaching, Jesus stopped everything. Jesus stopped everyone He silenced the crowd to focus on 
one. The lowly beggar at the city gate was suddenly Jesus's sole focus. And check out the reaction of the crowd. Then they called out to the blind man and said, come on, he's calling for you. And the man threw off his coat and jumped and ran to Jesus. Talk about a 180. Same people, but now Jesus is on board, so so are they. And yet Bartimaeus has no time for a grudge because Jesus is about to ask the question. Not a question, the question. In Mark 10, 51, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And without hesitation, Bartimaeus answers, the blind man answers, Master, I want to see. And Jesus replies like he had done for others before. Jesus told him, you may go. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. How about that for a transformation story? In six short verses, Mark recounts an incredible, bold, life-changing, faith-focused story with an impact then, certainly, and for us today on how it is we can live out our faith. In this momentary encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus, I would offer the application for Cornwall Church comes in two parts, in two different ways. An assessment from Bartimaeus an action from Jesus, an assessment from Bartimaeus and actions from Jesus. I found out this week that a third of Americans are terrified of going to the doctor. And of that third, more than half admit it is because of the dreaded annual checkup. Yeah, the physical, the checkup, the annual exam, the well baby check, whatever you call it, I don't know about you, I am not a huge fan of the annual checkup. I kind of loathe the experience. I mean, you start by walking in and you get weighed and then they check your height. Nope, still haven't grown. <laughs> then you've got the gown and the tongue depressor and all the medical things. But I understand its purpose. I understand the why behind the checkup. An annual exam is an assessment to help diagnose your current state. How are you right now? And then the action steps from your doctor or medical provider help you move from where you are to where you ought to be. The same is true here. Bartimaeus will offer us an assessment for our faith and our life in Christ. And then Jesus, through his example, will give us some action steps moving us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So three questions from Bartimaeus. Number one is this. Question one, do you have the faith to ask? Do you have the faith to ask? In other words, is your faith big enough to ask the big questions? Sometimes I wonder if we think our asks are too big or too little for God. And then I open the Bible and I'm reminded time and time again that, that God is a God who listens. He's one that wants to hear from us. He can handle it. So let me remind us of the span of which we can ask God. We, we can ask him for clarity, 
for confirmation, for comfort. We can ask him for direction about our job, about our family, about our finances. We can ask him for health or healing. We can also ask him the tough questions about our faith, the ones that we're not quite sure we can ask in this building, but we can ask God our tough faith questions. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we can ask him for help making that team we want to be on or retention for that big quiz we've got coming up or simply to be close to us today. We don't get to know the backstory of Bartimaeus, but we do know that he had a big, bold faith, big enough that he had faith to ask. And it wasn't because he was righteous it certainly wasn't his social standing and it, not even his need. It was his faith. I mean, notice Bartimaeus doesn't say, Jesus, I would like to see if you can do that. He had a faith that allowed him to make a big, bold ask of Jesus and believe that Jesus would show up in a big way. Notice also that Bartimaeus says, or Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Or what can I do for you? even though he already knows. Jesus knows the desires of your heart, but he wants you to have the faith to ask. Now, this does not mean that we have a blank check. Asking for direction in our lives, yes. Asking for the winning Powerball numbers, probably not. Asking for peace and comfort, yes. Asking for that new Tesla to be on our driveway in the morning, probably not. Our faith allows us to make asks that are within God's will for our lives. The faith of Bartimaeus calls us to have that willingness to ask, even when, or especially when, only God can come through. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 reminds us that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. In this life, we are called to walk by faith, not by what we can see or what we can expect or what we can predict, but walk by faith. Paul would write that. Bartimaeus would live it out. One more thing. When it comes to asking in faith, make sure you are all in. Remember, be mindful of whom it is you're asking. James 1, 6, when you ask, when you ask, believe and do not doubt. We're called to have a firm faith, one that is founded, solid, and bold. So first, ask yourself, do you have a faith to ask? Number two, do you have a courage to speak up? I am, I am tired of social media associating speaking up with, with viral videos of customer service meltdowns and, and bantering neighbors. We're not called to that. That's not speaking up biblically. We are called to speak up and stand up for the truth that we know but never in an aggressive or offensive way. Imagine how the story would have changed if Bartimaeus somehow found his way to his feet and put his elbows up and made his way through the crowd and pushed people out of the way to get to Jesus. For Bartimaeus, in order to rise above the noise, he had to speak up to be heard by Jesus. He had the courage to be politely persistent. In this life, there will always, always be loud crowds. 
There'll always be loud crowds, and those loud crowds will try and quiet you and shut you down and damper your faith. And they exist at work, in your neighborhood, or quite possibly in your family. Will you speak up? Will you say something? Will you stand boldly in your faith? It is not easy. I get that. But it's easier than our brothers and sisters that are around the world, challenged, truly challenged to speak up for their faith. Pew Research just concluded their annual assessment of religious persecution. They found this, one in eight Christians live in countries where they could be actively persecuted without consequence. They found that every single day, 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. They found that 13 Christians a day are killed for their faith. They also found this, while Christianity remains one of the most persecuted religions in the world, they also found that despite that fact, the number of new Christ followers every year continues to lead among any religious group. Apparently, we do have the courage to speak up. Jesus calls us to speak up and stand up when we see injustice, when we're called out, or when we're put down. And why? Because we are not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1.16. Be mindful that God gave you a voice, so use it. John MacArthur would say this, true faith is never passive. It's active. So, first, you have the faith to ask. Second, you have the courage to speak up. And the final assessment from Bartimaeus is this. Do you have a willingness to faithfully follow? Jesus giving Bartimaeus sight is cool, right? Like it's miraculous. But that's not the end of the story. We held back one verse of this passage. It's the last verse of Mark that fills us in. It says this in Mark 10, 52. At once the man could see. And he, Bartimaeus, went down the road with Jesus. He could see, and he went down the road with Jesus. He went down the road. He followed Jesus. He joined the crowd. He faithfully followed. Bartimaeus would live out his faith in Christ well beyond that miraculous one moment. So when Jesus shows up for your life, in your life, what do you do? I would say probably in our best moments, we pause, we reflect, we respond, we're thankful. But if we're honest, maybe more often than not, we unintentionally let it pass. Granted, the, the big Bartimaeus-like major moments in our life, yeah, we, we blast that on social media. We tell everyone about it. God gets the credit. But the day-to-day -day ways that Jesus shows up for us, it's not that we're unappreciative, perhaps we're lazy, we're comfortable, we're content. Oh, that's just, that's just what Jesus does for us Christians. And that sounds horrible, right? But that's how we can easily default and operate. 
Jesus is not a, just a crisis counselor. Jesus is not a vending machine where we push in what we want and it falls down from heaven. Jesus shows up for us every single day with care and love and wisdom and direction and wins and comfort in the losses. So instead of responding to Jesus with passivity, might we have a passion like Bartimaeus? Might we see Jesus show up in our lives and every time he does, it fuels your faith. It makes you want to run up closer and walk closely with him. When Jesus shows up for you, how will you respond? Are you faithfully following? Okay, that's just the assessment. Bartimaeus helps us consider where we are currently with those questions. I'm just gonna, this is not on script. I, I have to tell you something. There's only one service and it's fine. Here's the deal. It was like freezing in here when we, when we got in for rehearsal today. And then we turned the heat on and it's like 5,000 degrees. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, so you think you're dying out there. I need like a squeegee up here. Okay. This is not gonna go online. Do not put this online. Okay. Where was I? Back to the Bible. Okay. All right, action steps from Jesus of where he wants us to be. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this, I love it. It's, it's only because that he came, it's only because he became like us that we can become like him. Only because Jesus came to us do we have even a hope of a chance of becoming like him. This side of heaven, we can't attain that similarity to Jesus, but we certainly can try. And so like the disciples, we can learn from his do as I do example. And so as we look at Jesus's example in this interaction with Bartimaeus, I think it comes down to three words. To be like Jesus, we stop. Did, don't write drop and roll, okay? Stop, see, and ask. We're gonna stop, see, and ask. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a campaign rally before. When we uh, moved to Iowa in 2015, the presidential election had just gotten underway. People were excited and, and uh, the campaigns were in full swing. And if you don't know, Iowa's kind of the starting line for all things presidential elections. And you really could not turn around without a presidential candidate being right there asking for your support. And I'm a bit of a political nerd, so I was eating it all up. But while each campaign and every candidate was a little bit different, they all had one commonality. They all moved fast. They all had tons of people to meet in a very short amount of time. And so they moved with speed. Good news is for us, Jesus wasn't a politician. Throughout his ministry, he stopped. He stopped a lot. In fact, in Mark's account, we hear from the crowd first, we hear from Bartimaeus second, but the first thing that Mark records about Jesus is what? Jesus stopped. That's the first thing we hear. Despite the craziness of the moment, despite the number of people with him, despite the destination in which he had to get to, he stops. And the procession, it stops. And everyone goes quiet. Well, that was back in Bible times and it was much simpler back then. Probably, probably yes, true to both. But Jesus' example to stop transcends time. We are busy today. 
Jesus was busy back then. We, we have work to do and places to go and people to see, and Jesus did too. And yet Jesus exampled stopping. He made it a priority. And for those of us that move at a very fast pace, we need to slow down and stop. Isaiah Wilson, who is our incredible middle school director here at Cornwall, often reminds me of my need to slow down and stop when we're chatting in the office. But he since has moved that to my Facebook page, and this is what he posted uh, a, a couple of days ago. You'll notice him right in the middle there. I don't even know if this applied to what I posted, but the speed walk that you were gifted doesn't allow you to stop and go back. Now, I read that and I laughed and then I was mad, but then I was like convicted. I thought, Isaiah, you're exactly right. This guy needs to slow down and stop. I love the quote, I've said it before from John Mark Comer down in Portland. Jesus was busy, but never in a hurry. We need to slow down and stop. Once we stop, we can see. When we're not going a million miles a minute, we can actually see people. It's our human nature to want to feel accepted and recognized. And yes, it is true. Bartimaeus wanted his sight that day, but I would offer he also deep down really just wanted to be seen, to be valued. The application is to see people. I remember in 1997, I was running for ASB president in my senior year. And, and I, again, I'm kind of a political nerd. And so I remember thinking like, what am I going to run on? Vending machines in the hallway or open lunch. And none of those things seemed practical. Like I could actually make it happen. And so instead I just said, I, I really kind of want to try and make a difference in my year, my senior year as ASB president. And I was elected and our ASB had lunch. I had both lunches. Our ASB class covered both lunches. And so at lunchtime, I would go out and just bebop from table to table to table to table to table, interacting with people, pausing and stopping, asking questions. Who are you? What's going on? Football game Friday? Great, I'll be there. Meeting students, building connections. It's, as, as Christ imitators, we are called to stop and see people, all people. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Why? Because Christ accepted you. It is estimated that you will interact with 150 people on any given day. So who is around you that is being drowned out by the noise of the world? Who have you passed by a million times over that's dying for your acknowledgement? Who in your life is desperately crying out and needs to be seen? And what can you Christ follower do about it. Finally, as we look at his example, the son of God stopping to interact, I think he, the last thing is he asks. This may seem obvious, but it is impossible to have a meaningful, intentional conversation on the go. Imagine if Bartimaeus had shouted out and Jesus said, yeah, 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 what do you want me to do for you? It's impossible. Jesus stopped so that Jesus could see so that Jesus could engage. 
Yesterday, I, I had coffee with a friend. We had no agenda, no timeline, no phones on the table, no rush. We just sat there to be, to see, to engage, to ask questions. How's your family? What's going on in your life? When we stop and make time, when we pause to see who we're talking to, when we take away distractions, when we create a space to actually hear from others, we grow. So I think Jesus' example that day to Bartimaeus was stop, see, ask. A really simple formula, but it takes intentionality. And it's how Bartimaeus' life changed just like that. To the world, Bartimaeus was just another beggar at the gate. But to Jesus, he was so much more. Insignificance to the world is no match to our significance to Jesus. The world just counts you as a number, but Jesus knows exactly who you are. And he loves and cares and wants to be with and support you. So may the interaction between Jesus and Bartimaeus serve as a reminder for us all. May we not be blind to the amazing work that Christ is doing around us. May we always believe that Jesus has time for us. And may we take advantage of every one of those opportunities. May we act on the nudges that we get from the Holy Spirit when we are called to stop and see and ask for people in our lives. And may we have that firm belief that we can make those big, bold asks May we humble ourselves in the realization that we are helpless and hopeless without Jesus. And might we embrace this, our final challenge. May we see others as Jesus sees you. Jesus left you and I with an incredible responsibility. People will see Jesus through you and I when we choose to act like him. And I cannot think of a better way to launch into the new year than a fresh commitment to follow Jesus in this way. Might we assess our condition like Bartimaeus and then care for others like Jesus.